Since 2015, Pop Health Podcast has brought to you some of the best minds in healthcare, including leaders from government, not-for-profit, and investor-backed powerhouses, as they share successes, failures, and how our audience can move forward in today's constantly evolving healthcare world. Thank you for joining us for today's episode presented by 24-Hour Home Care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. I'm Gavin Ward, host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Daryl Ng, who is the Vice President for Marketing and Communications for HealthNet, the largest commercial insurer of Medi-Cal managed care here in California. Today, Daryl's going to talk about the redetermination process, which is basically the renewal of Medi-Cal eligibility year after year that was paused during the public health emergency. So now, Medi-Cal beneficiaries need to go through those steps and about 75% of them need to take action. Today's episode shares how the state as well as HealthNet specifically is working with communities, whether rural or urban and in different languages to get the word out and remind folks to maintain their Medi-Cal eligibility. And if they don't, then it's anticipated that maybe two to three million of the 15 million will be without healthcare coverage. We hope you enjoyed today's episode where Darrell also shares a little bit about his background and how he got into healthcare, including his time working for Governor Schwarzenegger nearly 20 years ago. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out other episodes of Pop Health Podcast by visiting us at popupodcast.com, checking out our videos on YouTube, or listening to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy today's episode. Daryl, thanks so much for joining the show today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and it's a pleasure to have you as well. Uh, so folks, I've known of Daryl's name and I've interacted with Daryl uh, over the years for similar reasons, um, but you were actually, Daryl, helping me coordinate shows for others at times, and now it's great to have you on. So um, we're going to get to know you a little bit today and really focus on the Medi-Cal redetermination and what that means for our state. But before we get into that, I'd like to get to know you and allow our guests to get to know you. So even though I've interacted with you uh, mostly via email over the years, um, it's great to actually um, you know, get to know you more on a personal level like we do with most of our guests. So could you give us a little background about yourself, Daryl, but maybe something fun, like a surprising fun fact, something outside of maybe the health net world or healthcare world? Sure. So um, I sort of stumbled into working in healthcare. Um, my career started in politics. Um, so I I worked for Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was governor back in the day. I don't know. Now it's 20 years ago. Um, and after him, I ended up working for the insurance commissioner because I thought he might be the next governor. Um, he was ultimately unsuccessful, but I inadvertently developed a you know, sort of minor expertise in insurance regulation. And um, it's a funny sort of tell now because it's you know 15 years later. But uh, so I, I went, I thought, well, you know, his term is done, uh, Steve Poisner. Um, what should I do? Right. Let me go make a list of the insurance companies with the worst PR and start calling from the top. Um, so the very first call was Anthem Blue Cross. Um, they had just gone through uh, a rate increase that became the poster child for Obamacare's passage. Okay. And I called up their chief communication officer and I said, hey, like, we're, you know, I'm no longer, you know, in a place to at the regulator. Um, you know, but if you're looking around, you know, and you and you need to staff, you know, let me know. Um, so six months later, he gives me a call and he says, hey, you know, we have an opening in California. Come do this. So uh, I worked at um, Anthem for five years. Uh, I then went to go work at a healthcare marketing and communications firm. Uh, it was then known as W2O. Now it's known as Real Chemistry. Um, and now I'm at HealthNet where I lead the communications and marketing function. Um, you know, the, the sort of change there is 
when I first started the consulting, I didn't have kids. And by the end of it, when you have two young children and a wife that works full time also and travels, it's hard to get a text that says, hey, come to your East Coast client's office tomorrow. Yep. Don't know when you'll be back. Uh, good luck. Right. And and my wife got tired of getting those texts. So, you know, it was time to find a job that uh, is equally fulfilling, but perhaps is more suited to having a family. That's great. Well, you mentioned uh, having a family, being with HealthNet. You mind me asking like a where in the state you are today? Yeah. So I'm based in Sacramento. Um, I moved here about 20 years ago. And um, since uh, the playoffs are going on, the basketball playoffs are going on right now, I, I now know that I grew up in L.A. I've, I've lived in L.A. I guess less time than I've lived in Sacramento, um, but I still haven't kicked the L.A. sports team. So uh, I'm very sorry, Kings, but, you know, <laughs> still rooting for the Lakers there. Nice. Well, hopefully by the time uh, the audience hears us, our conversation, Daryl, the Lakers are still in uh, contention. Uh, as we record this, folks, we typically record a week or two out, uh, maybe sometime sooner before the episodes. And so we're actually recording on May 19th, where the Lakers, uh, the fourth quarter was quite interesting uh, uh, yesterday. They just disappeared for a few minutes. But uh, yeah, that'll well, be I'm going to speak it into existence. I'm going to be cheering for the Lakers in the NBA Finals. All right. Well, we'll find out when this is released. Hopefully that's true. So, uh, well, that's great. And so as you're growing up, you mentioned you grew up like in L.A., Southern California. Uh, at what point as you were growing up, were you thinking, hey, like politics is something I'm interested in? Sure. So um, my family moved to, uh, they immigrated to America in the 1970s. My parents came here separately. Um, and uh, we're Chinese. Um they, uh, you grow up with the family knowledge that sort of where you are is could change at any point. So, um, I'm sure that if historians went back and looked at this, I don't have all the details correct, but this is sort of the story told to me as I was growing up. Um, my, on my father's side, uh, they were some sort of, uh, important official, whether it was governor or mayor or something like that, it doesn't really matter, but they were in some sort of power. The communists came. There was, we'll just say, a lot of ugliness, um, and they came to America. Um, so the idea that if you're not trying to shape what's happening in your society, you know, you uh, you may become a victim to it. Oh. Uh, so you know, it became important to understand the levers of power and make sure that representation was there. Because uh, while I I suspect, I hope. Uh, that that nobody in America faces, you know, that sort of situation, you know, um, it happens, you know, and 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 uh, if you're not at the table, then, you know, um, who knows what might happen. So uh, it was important to me to understand how uh, America works. You know, I I happen to believe that uh, it is the greatest line of opportunity, not without its own challenges, but you know, um, there's a reason why people clamor to come here. You know, and it's our job to make sure that that stays uh, the place of opportunity across the world so that we can attract and hopefully um, find ways to keep people who are the best and brightest and, and to let people who want to achieve do so. Wow, that's awesome. So your parents uh, definitely were, were going through some stuff. Uh, so do you, does, you mentioned your family history is Chinese. Do you speak uh, any di Chinese dialect, if you mind me asking? Uh, much to the uh, dismay of my parents, uh, I, I can order, uh, my parents speak Cantonese, um, I can order at a restaurant, kind of, <laughs> um, 
but you know they um their english is their second language it was their priority to make sure that their kids spoke english fluently whether that was successful or not i'll let the listeners decide but you know um i should be better at it and it's something that um i'm trying to rectify with my kids so hopefully they'll learn mandarin by the you know by the time as they grow up that's great well good for you i'm actually married to uh, a chinese american uh, woman uh she was born here um and so uh, her language is or her native her yeah, her initial language was what's called Toisan, mm -hmm. um, which is, a, uh, I guess, a spinoff or what you'd, what you'd say similar to Cantonese or have some similarities to Cantonese. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm like you, I have kids and um, shame on me. We haven't gotten them to uh, to really pick up on the Chinese language yet, but they're young. They're still in elementary school. It's not too late. Uh, so we're going to encourage them as they go to junior high and high school. But yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing about your background there. So let's let's jump into kind of the core content of why we're here today. Um, tell us first of all about who HealthNet is and what your, maybe break down a little bit more about your role within HealthNet. Sure, so HealthNet is the largest Medi-Cal commercial plan in the state. Um, we have more than 2 million Medi-Cal members. Uh, a million of those are in LA County um, and then 3 million members overall. So that includes um, cover California, includes the commercial market, and includes Medicare. Um, my role is I lead the marketing and communications function at HealthNet. Um, and under my purview is redetermination to make sure that our members have the information and take the steps necessary to keep their Medi-Cal coverage as the end of the public health emergency um, occurs. Great. Thanks for the kind of wrapping that up. Now, question for you. Um, use the phrase commercial plan. I think a lot of our audience are healthcare providers or work in roles where they don't really, you know, know the nuances of what a commercial plan is and what, how is that different than like Medi-Cal in other ways? So uh, there are three different models for Medi-Cal across the state. Uh, there is the county operated health system where a county chooses uh, to provide healthcare. So a good example is uh, Cal Optima in Orange County, Gold Coast Health Plan in Ventura. Um, so the county has one plan and they run it. Um, in um, many other counties, there's what's called the two plan model. This gets very technical and, and healthcare nerdy, uh, but there's generally a local initiative and then there's a commercial plan. In LA County, the local initiative is LA Care. And then HealthNet is the commercial plan. Um, you know, uh, in uh, other counties, you know, Anthem might be one. You know, um, uh, there are other there are other plans across the state that offer that. Um, and then finally, I guess to finish the to be complete a complete healthcare nerd, uh, there's what's called the GMC model, is geographically managed care. That's Sacramento and San Diego, where a number of commercial plans compete with each other for membership. Uh, and there may not, and there is not a local initiative. So uh, those, um, so HealthNet is the largest commercial plan across uh, the state of California. That's great. Thank you for the explanation, Daryl. And uh, we're not going to talk about it today, but folks, uh, some of the plans are shifting in 2024. Feel free to check out, um, you know, do a quick Google search, go on DHCS's website or the Department of Managed Care, and you can kind of learn more about how things are shifting for 2024 and beyond. So today we're going to talk about redetermination. And I've been growing up in healthcare for, you know, I've been in the healthcare world for 20 years. 
Medi-Cal more recently. And redetermination has always been around, but now it's in the news more than ever before. Can you give the audience, some of the audience may not know why. Can you share briefly? Sure. So um, before the pandemic, there was an annual requirement that people provided information um, that they were so eligible. So do you still live in the county? Uh, what is your family size? What is your income, et cetera? Uh, and the idea is that, you know, uh, hopefully people got jobs and they're no longer eligible for Medi-Cal. You know, maybe they moved and we want to make sure that they're accounted for in the right county. Um, you know, uh, so it's there are lots of good reasons to do it. Um, and prior to March of 2020, it just happened on an annual basis. Um, wisely, during the pandemic, they suspended that because, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure we all remember we were afraid to go to the, you know, to the mailbox, right? We were wiping down our, our Amazon packages. So um, the federal government said, you know what, let's pause this until the end of the emergency. Um, so nobody has to prove that they're eligible. And, and you know, part of this, too, we want to make sure that especially during the pandemic, as many people were covered as possible. Um, so um, we just, uh, in terms of the government, the corona, uh, the COVID emergency is now over. That doesn't mean that the pandemic is not here and that people aren't affected, but as a sort of governmental action, it, it's been ended. So uh, we now have to go through and, uh, I mean, the technical term is redetermined, but we try to use the word renew for yeah. uh, members because it's 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 more English and it's more understandable. But people need to go and provide information to make sure that they're still eligible. Um, and why, as a, oh, go ahead, yes. And why was April 1st, like in this, what did April 1st, which is, uh, you know, just short, short while ago, why was that an important date? Yeah, so April 1st is sort of the beginning of a 14-month process. Um, the way it works is... Um, it's too much of a task to ask everybody to send in their information all at one time. Yeah. Um, in California, that would be 15 million people or so. Um, so uh, the state and the federal government decided wisely to uh, make this sort of on a 12-month basis, right? The month that you signed up, very there are exceptions to this, but generally the month you signed up initially for Medi-Cal is a month that it'll be your turn to update your information. Um, so that process started on April 1st, um, because there's, you know, you have 60 days to do these things. It, it's a 14 month process, but okay. in California, we should start seeing the effects of this in the next six weeks or so, where in early June and July, we'll have a good idea of how many people are, uh, filling out their paperwork and whether what we're doing is working or not. Um, okay, so in general, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please. Uh, in general, the state estimates that out of the 15 million people on Medi-Cal, two to three million people will lose coverage as part of this process. Um, now, there's always people that you think, well, you know, hopefully they got a job, right? Or maybe they moved, so they had coverage. Um, they estimate that somewhere about half of the people that will lose it, so between one and one and a half million people, will be eligible for Medi-Cal, but won't take the necessary steps. And that's really uh. the moral imperative here to make sure that we help those people understand how to fill out the paperwork, how to um, engage in the process so they stay eligible. Got it. That's really helpful. So I know, um, you know, folks who often are on Medi-Cal, um, you know, may not necessarily be reading the news all the time or checking their mail or, or check, maybe, maybe not even use email or electronic means of communication. So what are some of the steps that you guys at HealthNet are doing to get the word out? Because this podcast is really intended more for healthcare professionals. You might have some of your members listen, but probably not the folks who really need to 
to uh, take action. So tell us what you're doing. In the yeah, so I'll, I'll answer this question two ways. So first I'll talk about the, the sort of mechanics of redetermination, how it works, right? Because okay. with, um, with that understanding, you'll understand why all the touch points make sense. So, um, we now, you know, we've established everybody goes one swath at a time, you know, based on when they started. Um, the state sends us a file that says, uh, redetermination, you know, this is who's going to be eligible for redetermination in a given month. Um, they will run it through their system and there's something called, uh, it's an auto renewal system. That's the English term for it. Um, but it, ex parte is a jargon term for it. And what that means is there are people who interact with the government who they already know are eligible. So if you're on CalFresh, um, that's the, uh, the jargon term for food stamps, um, or other government programs, they may already know that you're, that, um, you're income eligible. So about 25% of people have to do nothing and they'll be automatically renewed. So it's the other 75% of people that we're trying to reach. So the state will send them a yellow envelope uh, and they will have several ways to provide that information. You can mail the yellow envelope back. You can call the county of residence that you, that um, to update it. You can go to a website, Benefits Cal, to provide that information, or you can walk into a county office and update it manually uh, if that's their preference. So uh, they'll be asked to do that um, at the end of uh, the period. If they don't do it again, the state sends all the managed care plans another file that says, heads up people, they didn't do anything. Uh, no. Can you please help out? And then we spring back into action. So we sort of uh, approach this in two ways. One is we want to make sure that people know to update their information so that when it's their turn, they get the yellow envelope in the right place because maybe you've moved in the last three years and we want to know where to send this. Um, and then uh, and then when it's right before it's their turn, we'll send them a text, an email, and a letter that says, heads up, it's coming. Yeah. Um, and then on the back end, if they don't do anything, we will send them flyers. We'll send them text messages. We'll send them emails. We'll robo-dial them. We'll live call them. You know, any sort of way that we can think of, of reaching um, these people, we will reach out during that month. Um, and then at the end of that month, if they don't do anything, then they're terminated and they will have to sign up for coverage anew. Okay. So that's like direct contact from HealthNet. What else... Like, does the community like advocate as well? Like, how do you, how does the community also help you guys make yeah, that so, connection? Yeah. You know, we know that, um, that health insurance companies, uh, may not be the most popular messengers. Uh, and, uh, just like, you know, when uh, we were trying to get people to get vaccinated, there are trusted community messengers. And, yeah. um, I spent four months on loan from HealthNet to the state to run vaccine communications. Um, so we're drawing a lot of lessons on what we learned to help people get vaccinated. So what that means is we're working with um, trusted community partners to help spread this information. And uh, your advertising research shows that somebody needs to hear a message seven times before they finally understand it. So if HealthNet gets them once or twice through email or a phone call, or if they actually open their mail and read it, you know, they need to hear it a couple more times. So we have embarked on a process where we're working with doctors' offices to provide signage in their office, to provide posters, uh, to provide flyers, so they know that if you go to the doctor's office, you'll see it. We're working with um, community-based organizations, so food banks. You know, can we get an insert into the box of food that week? 
you know, can we get signage up at the pickup station? Um, can they send emails or texts out to, to the people that they serve? Uh, we're working with schools, we're working, you know, uh, we're currently working with the LA County Office of Education, uh, partnering with LA Care to provide a toolkit, right? Because we know this isn't a competitive issue. This is something yeah. that we want to do for the community. So, um, you know, can we use the existing distribution methods from schools to do this? I, as a parent, I get emails every day, you know, soccer camp, you know, don't forget to, uh, you know, come to back to school night. So, you know, um, can we leverage those um, those channels to get this information out? We're working with faith-based organizations. So um, can we, you know, communicate through church bulletins? Are there um, seminars that we can give through some of the mega churches, especially in, in some of the areas uh, that traditionally serve um, African-Americans and, and, and Latinos? And, um, you know, this is the sort of work that we're doing. I, we're working with libraries too, because. You know, if they have programming, a storytelling day, how can we you know, attach this to that? So um, we know that this is important um, and we want to make sure they hear from as many trusted messengers as we can find. Um, sort of separate from all this, we have a grant program where we work with promotoras and others to say, you're doing enrollment assistance already. How can we support you so you can help spread this message? Because we know that their hands are full and you know their their capacity is at uh, at max. So can we help build that capacity for people who are already talking about health to these communities so they can spread the message? So um, you know we're we're leveraging uh, multiple channels to reach as many people as many times as we can. That's great. You mentioned uh, reach uh, connecting with like promotoras and uh, community health workers. So um, for the audience, just a friendly reminder: many of you may not know, but um, this is a growing. Uh, workforce and uh, prof uh, there's there's benefits now for uh, health plans and providers to actually hire community health workers and promotors to really get the word out. And there's requirements that these workers actually come from the same background. Um, so uh, we actually did a, a podcast a few months ago on this benefit um, where we had the leader from DHES talk about it. So I appreciate you mentioning that term because it's still relatively new for a lot of us um, and these benefits. So uh, Daryl, you've done a really good job you know, in a kind of wrapping everything in a nutshell um, of how the word is getting out. Is there anything I missed? Um, I want to invite you to share more information that you feel you may not have shared yet before we wrap up today's episode. Yeah, so um, I think it's important for everybody in the healthcare ecosystem to know that this is part of their responsibility. It's not just the state. They have a $25 million ad campaign, but we know that's not going to be enough. Yeah. It's not just health insurers have to do this. It's not just doctors. You know, everybody needs to um, reach out to those that they serve to make sure they know this is coming. Because if they don't, it means that we'll have to find these people again to sign them up again. And potentially they'll have a gap in care. They'll miss, you know, necessary treatments. And, you know, that's really the worst outcome that could come out of this. Yeah, really good point. Uh, my day job, uh, we serve Medi-Cal beneficiaries. And I realized that we have the ability, right? Or maybe responsibility based on what you just said mm -hmm. to make sure our members, as we call them, uh, Medi-Cal members are aware of this and make sure, hey, make sure you keep your coverage and you've, you're looking out for this. So is there a play? I know maybe for HealthNet, maybe you can share with us if we have HealthNet members mm -hmm. and we want to get the messaging um, and help you guys spread the message, is there a place we can get tools or resources today that you can direct us to online maybe? 
Yeah, so I would say there are two things. So uh, if you um, work with HealthNet, we have toolkits available um, that help spread the word that people need to update their information to look out for the yellow envelopes. Um, you can go to bridgingthedivide.com, bridgingthedivideca.com, uh, and the resources resources will be there. Um, in addition to that, DHCS has toolkits. Um, I will, as a point of pride, I will say I, I appreciate the ways that ours are designed better, but that doesn't <laughs> mean that DHCSs aren't good also. Um, but, you know, we know that having the government in front is important to some communities. So DHCS has, has toolkits. Uh, we have toolkits. We're willing to co-brand. We'll co-brand them for you. We'll make you copies, like whatever you need to do to make it easy. We want to help enable people that want to help to help. So um, you can um, send me an email, um, daryl.ng at healthnet.com um, or go to the Bridging the Divide CA to site and we will make sure we get a copy of the toolkit to you. Sounds great. And just to confirm, um, I'm I'm guessing, but not certain, you know, each health plan and all the counties throughout California, not just HealthNet, um, they also have uh, forms in different languages based on like the threshold languages for the county. Is it fair to say the toolkits are also designed in different languages? Uh, I know ours are being designed in all 17 threshold languages. Um, I'm sure in different counties, actually different counties have different threshold languages. Um, but you can expect that for the 10 most popular languages, you know, somebody will have a toolkit for you. Awesome, Daryl. Well, hey, super helpful. Um, I know you often get the word out about what's happening with HealthNet. That's your role. That's your team's role. If folks want to keep tabs on HealthNet or even kind of see what you have to share, um, are you active on social media? Should people just go to the HealthNet website? What's the best way to, to keep up the tabs of what you guys are doing? Sure. So you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can, you'll hear about the Lakers and about HealthNet. Um, uh, I'm at Daryl Ng. Uh, HealthNet is also on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, for uh, this audience, I'd say probably LinkedIn and Twitter are the two best um, are the two best social media um, platforms to follow us on. All right, awesome. Well, I'll uh, I'll probably do that myself and follow you guys. I haven't already uh, done that yet, so I appreciate that, Daryl. And again, appreciate you joining and uh, you know taking the time to be on today's episode. I know I'll see you soon at uh, at a conference. So, anything else you want to share, uh, Daryl, before we wrap up? Um, I do underscore that. In my view, it's a moral imperative that we all work together on this. Um, you know, if we are in healthcare to improve the health of the communities around us, to help those who are most vulnerable, this is the easy way that we can all do this, especially if you interact with Medi-Cal members regularly. So uh, I encourage you to, to look into a toolkit, uh, use the HealthNet ones, use the DHCS ones. Um, they're available, they're free, uh, they're customizable, and, and please use all of your communication channels to help your members. Awesome, Daryl. Well, hey, man, really, again, appreciate you having, uh, you know, taking the time to be on the show today and us having you. And uh, again, folks, uh, check out what Daryl had shared. We appreciate you guys joining the show. And thanks again, Daryl. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.